Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Got a special announcement before we get things started today. The podcast is now on Spotify. I got a ton of people hitting me up asking when it will be there, and it finally is on that platform. So everybody who wants to check it out on Spotify, just open up your app, search Jamer K Podcast, and it'll be there. So please enjoy it wherever you can. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on the website itself. So thank you for your support. We're growing rapidly and we're just trying to expand where the people want it. So there you have it. Jamer K podcast now on Spotify. But this week, the podcast, we traveled back to Pensacola, Florida. Shout out to Pensacola Mafia. Shout out from within records. Payback. So many awesome things coming out of Florida. But I had a chance to talk to Carter Holmes. Awesome guy. He's into jiu-jitsu plays in payback runs from within records which i didn't had learned fairly recently which i was really surprised about because carter and i had talked plenty of times beforehand it just never really came up that he ran that record label which is insane because they put out awesome stuff shout out burning strong if you haven't yet go check out the fire rages on awesome record i love that band shout out burning strong shout out everything that Carter is working on with the label carbonite awesome band shout out Lennon everybody else involved in that super awesome but I just fully support Carter and everything that he's doing and I was really happy to have him on the podcast and just talk about the things that he's working on so please without further ado welcome Carter Holmes to the podcast Welcome to the podcast, Carter. What's up, bro? Not much. Uh, just uh, think back to my first memory of you of actually talking to you. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was at the after show of the first night at FYA. It was like in between bands, and I saw you standing up front, and I, and I just went up to you and just told you how sick that payback set was. Yes, yeah. I think uh, Moment of Truth was about to play. And yeah, and I just like at that point I had never actually like, and I I don't even know if I even like formally introduced myself. I just had to tell you that I thought that pay, that payback set was so sick. Yes, yes, thank you, bro. I actually knew who you were, I think, from uh, Kevin from Burning Strong, because I had already been listening to the podcast and stuff like that. So I definitely thought it was sick you were into it. Oh hell yeah! Shout out Kevin, uh, super awesome dude. I was actually texting him uh, yesterday. In the beach, bro. Um. So kind of want to uh, start uh, with uh, the record label that you won uh, from within. Yes. So can you... uh, so I started it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no you're fine. I was asking yeah, just to tell us how I'm, this whole thing started. Yeah, so I started it about uh, actually about a year ago now. I started it last April. I was living, uh, I live in Florida right now. I'm from Alabama, like 45 minutes from where I live now. But at the time, I was living in Nashville, and I just didn't really, like, have any friends. There wasn't that many, like, shows. Like, I would have to drive to, like, Louisville to go to shows and stuff like that. 
and I was just like busy at work all the time and going to school. So I just wanted to do something more like with hardcore or within or whatever. And I just thought that'd be a really cool idea. It was like right around the time uh, the Burning Strong demo was about to come out. So I was like, this is literally perfect. I can put this out as my first one. And yeah, it just started from there. And I think I have, I'm on release 11 now, which is pretty sick. So just to clarify, uh, did you grow up in Alabama? Yeah, so I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. I live in Pensacola, Florida now, and it's only like 45 minutes away. It's literally like right on the border. But uh, Mobile, just like all the shows have always been in Pensacola. That's where all my friends have always been just because Mobile, like it's, I mean, it's Alabama. I don't know. There's the only real hardcore scene in Alabama is in Birmingham, Alabama. So where I come from, like the literal only person I knew that listened to hardcore was like two or three of my friends. So in Pensacola, I actually had a scene and that's where like all the shows happen. And uh, that's where I met my wife. So just, I knew I'd be here one day, but yeah, this is where I live. And I don't know if I'll ever move again. So yeah, Pensacola is pretty sick. So being uh, from Alabama, how'd you even discover hardcore if the scene is uh, so small out there? Yeah, so I got into like, I guess, I don't know what to call it without getting roasted, but I guess like alternative type music in like the sixth grade or so, listen to like Under Oath and shit like that. And then uh, my neighbor who was a little bit older than me, uh, he's the one who got me into it actually. One day, like we would hang out after school just like every day because we literally lived across the street from each other and we were into the same shit like skateboarding and all that kind of stuff. And one day he was just like, yo, I found this band on YouTube or whatever. This shit sounds crazy. And I can't, it was like 2007, 2008. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I'm almost positive that it was like, it was Cool Hand, one of like the first releases they did. And then right then I was like, dude, this shit is like, this is crazier than anything we've been listening to. And just got hooked on it. We would just go down YouTube rabbit holes for hours and hours and just find bands. Kind of like I feel like uh, how most kids get into it. And did you move to Nashville for a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so my uh, wife is a pharmacist and she had her residency in Nashville. So I was like, there's no point of me just staying here for a year. So, yeah, we moved up there. And when we first moved, we thought maybe we would stay if we liked it, but we kind of hated it. So, you know, we just weren't around any friends. Like I said, uh, there wasn't that many shows and that's like the biggest like music definitely is one of the biggest aspects of my life so i was like we can't stay here and she agreed to because she missed her family and we miss all of our friends so and how long were those drives uh to louisville when you're going to shows oh uh, it was only about two hours so it wasn't that bad honestly i think it's two to two and a half hours the only part that sucks is there's a time change going there that you lose an hour but it wasn't bad, and uh, I mean, they got a bunch of tours that went through there, so like Magnitude came through there twice, so that was sick. Uh, Red Death came through one step closer, so they got like good shows, so it wasn't miserable, but I just like, I don't know, I would always pretty much go alone, and I knew a few people there, but it was still just like, I mean, I would still go, obviously, but it was just different, you know what I mean? I just missed all my friends that I grew up with going to shows. And did that time change ever mess you up? Did you ever have like an incident where you forgot about that hour you had to calculate for? Oh yeah. So I want to say it was a one step closer show. 
I was leaving straight from work and I got off like at five and I was like, oh, I'll be there by seven. And I realized, I was like, oh, fuck, this is, I'm going to miss like the first two bands. But for whatever reason, when I got there, literally none of the show didn't even start, which was kind of cool, kind of whack, but it was straight. Yeah. And you just like were kind of rushing, but you realized, like, oh, I'm actually early. What's up? Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, no. I said I'm, you were like kind of rushing, but then you just kind of realized that you were actually uh, ended up getting there early. Sorry, you're still breaking up, but if you were asking if I was rushing, yeah, I was definitely going like 95 miles an hour on cruise control the whole time. Am I still breaking up right now? No, no, you sound good now. Okay. Um, that, that That's wild. But uh, so you, how long have you been in Pensacola? Yo, can you hear me? Yeah. Are you still good? Yeah, sorry. I don't know if it's my phone or what is jacked up. Try talking one more time. Testing one, two. We're still live. Yep, yep, you're good. Okay. Sorry, this is punishing, I know. Oh, no, no. I can hear you perfect now, though. Oh, it's, totally, it's all good. It, it happens all the time. Um, I was just curious, uh, uh, how long have you been in Pensacola? Uh, So... We, I moved from Mobile to Pensacola in like 2017 and then moved away, what was it, like late 2018 for about a little over a year and then came back. So I've lived here, I guess, a year now, which is kind of crazy. We'll back here a year. So, yeah. Okay. That is crazy. I was so surprised when I found out um, a couple things about you. Uh, I didn't realize that you lived in Pensacola because I just assumed um, everybody from Payback, you know, was from uh, Pennsylvania. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when I found that out, I was like, dang, that's crazy. Like, I wonder how they make that work. And then most recently I had on uh, Lennon on the podcast and um, I found out through him that it was you who um, runs from within. Because um, in my mind, um, when I went to um, FYA for the first time, I didn't really know a whole lot of people. And I, there was this guy, and I, I don't even know who he is uh, to this day, but he was at the festival wearing a From Within shirt. So I just assumed, I'm like, oh, I was like, maybe mm-hmm. that's the guy who runs the label since uh, he's like, you know, here repping it so hard. And then when Lenny told me that it was you, I was like tripping out. I was like, dude, I was like, I talked to Carter like, you know, uh, pretty often through like DMs and like that hasn't even came up once. So I was like totally tripping out about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, first payback. Um, I don't know. We just, I guess we make it work. I mean, we just play when we can. If they need like a fill-in or whatever, they just get with it. I'm cool with that. I'll play what I can when I can. Um, But yeah, and the record label, I don't post about it that much from my main page. I just try to keep all the stuff on the, uh, like a label Instagram page. Okay. That's totally fair. Um, With uh, seeing payback at FYA, I still to this day, I'm, think back and like still that's like my favorite set just for some reason it was just so special just like the energy and um you know me being there for the first time it was just such a good experience so i, I, was, I was happy to um able to catch them for the first time and having like that lineup yes definitely uh that's probably i would say that's easily probably my favorite set i feel like i've ever played um i don't know fya is just really special to me i mean it's awesome that it's in florida and uh, Bob Wilson, who runs it, is, like, still a legit hardcore kid. And he actually, like, cares about bands and just isn't trying to, like, fuck people over or be, like, weird in any way or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, that set, we we actually didn't get to practice before. So we were all, like, freaking out pretty bad. We were supposed to uh, 
Jose, the guy who sings in Point of Contact, he like hooked us up with his practice space that was in Tampa. So we were like, well, we need to practice. So I guess we're just going to go to this place at midnight. And we pull up there and this like insane guy that runs it was just like, oh, you guys didn't make a reservation when we did. So we just didn't get to practice. And I, I can't speak for them, but me personally, I don't consider myself like a musician, I guess I would say. Like, I feel like I'm decent at drums, but I like need to practice in order to feel like I can play well. So it was definitely nerve wracking, but it went way better than I thought it would. And I can't, you know, the set was awesome. Our reaction was awesome. So pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't have even guessed that you guys didn't get a chance to practice before the fest. So once you guys got turned away at the practice spot, did you guys um, like still just end up hanging out or you guys just kind of call it a night? Cause that, it seems pretty late. Yeah. Well, we were, yeah, I mean, I was exhausted. I drove from, so even though it's in Florida, Pensacola to Tampa is like seven hours. So that's like just long enough to where the drive just makes you want to kill yourself. But we basically just like kind of ran through it acoustically. Like they just played not plugged in and I patted on my legs like it was the drums and that was what we did. So everyone was really pissed off and just worried we were going to sound really bad because like even though we, we like have played a bunch of shows together, it's just like kind of weird when you live literally like i live 19 hours away from them so it's definitely just crazy to think about how we make it work but it works out good somehow so i'm pumped on it and that drive from pensacola to tampa was there ever an option to fly out uh there is but flying out of pensacola is the it might be the world's most expensive airport i'm not kidding it's like it's a, I don't even know why, but for me to fly to Tampa would probably be like $250 and I can drive there for like 40 bucks each way. So I'd rather just suffer in the car and just do that than pay 250 just to fly. Okay. And when my friends and I went out to Florida for FYA, we landed in Orlando and then just um, drove like the like hour and some change to Tampa, which wasn't too bad because like maybe yeah. for me it was a little different because it was like my technically my second time uh doing that drive um but everything was so new so it, it was like kind of fun to just like look at things when we're driving down the highway no definitely definitely it's still a little bit exciting for you so i definitely get that and i didn't realize uh you were that far from uh, uh pennsylvania uh 19 hours and uh how long is the flight uh the flight is well, so I normally fly out of New Orleans, which is like two hours from Pensacola. And it's just so cheap to fly out there. And I think the flight's normally two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. So the flight's not shit, but dude, driving there, which I think we've done that drive from Pensacola to Philadelphia and like backs, like straight through for like, we've probably done that like 10 times and it maybe is the most miserable drive on earth. That's so crazy to me. Uh, so you, you drive to uh, New Orleans to drive and you just leave your car there? Yeah, or just get someone to drop me off or something like that. But normally, yeah, I just either get someone to drop me off or leave my car, and it's no big deal. Yeah, that's a good friend if they were willing to drive that far to drop you off. <laughs> I agree. Normally, I force my wife to do it. So. Okay, yeah, because for, for me, I'm getting to like where I'm at in Southern California. There's the local airport in Orange County, which is like nice and chill, but it's a little more expensive to fly out of there. So most of the time, my friends and I, whenever we fly, we just opt to drive to LAX. 
And even with traffic, it, it's still under an hour. So uh, just hearing you talking about having to drive to just to get to the airport, it, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like anyone from Florida is used to driving. Like, anytime you want to go to a show that's not in Pensacola, if you want to go to a show that's not in Pensacola, you're driving three hours max. And like I said, Tampa's like six and a half, seven hours. So it unfortunately is just a part of living here. And how close are you guys to Jacksonville? Uh, Jacksonville is about four and a half, five hours, roughly. Oh, that's still really far. Yeah, I mean, Pensacola is literally, like like I said, like I could drive to Alabama and be like in the state of Alabama in like 15 minutes from my house. So it's like on the very like tip of Florida, the opposite direction. Okay. And I remember when this whole uh, Corona thing was like just starting to get like super serious because obviously it's been around for a minute at this point. But I remember you were on your way to Pennsylvania uh, for maybe payback practice or something to do with payback. Sorry, you're cutting out. You said that you were talking about the coronavirus. Yeah, th- this is like the early stages before it got super serious. Am I still breaking? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I I can hear you fine. Sorry, your, your shit's really choppy. Do you want to maybe uh, end the call and I'll call you right back? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Sorry, sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. Let me end it and I'll, I'll call all you right. right back. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, technical difficulties, but that is normal. We've experienced this before, so we will just have to timestamp that. Oh shit, I'm dialing the wrong number. Hello? Yep. Do- yeah, I can hear you way better now. Sorry. Okay. That's no, all good. Are, are you um like are you like moving around or are you just like in a, a, a weird service area? No, I'm just sitting down like on a bench. Okay. All right. Well, let's get right back into it. So I was asking you about, um, this was like during like, like when Corona was just starting to get super serious, uh, with it, like actually like affecting, uh, more of the world. And I remember you were about to get on a flight to Pennsylvania and it got canceled. Can you talk about what that experience was like? Yes, bro. So I was so mad. I mean, it's probably it's obviously for the best that I didn't go because literally the next day they shut down like the major like county in Philadelphia. But we had had those plans for like a few months. Uh, we had like two or three shows and the Code Orange record release was happening. And we were actually supposed to write our record. Uh, and obviously all that just fell through. So I drove to New Orleans by myself and just chilled there for the day, which was nice. But then when it got canceled, I just actually wanted to kill myself. So. So at what point? Rough. At what point did it? Did you find out that it actually got canceled? Were Were you already like uh, about to board the uh, air? Uh, excuse me, the airplane, or did you get like notice like hours before? Um. So I got a notice that it got uh, delayed, and I was like, "Oh, it's probably not that big of a deal. It'll just get delayed." And then it got delayed again, and then it got delayed one more time. And I was already there, and we'd already had these plans. I was like, "I'm just gonna ride it out and see what happens." 
And then finally it was just like, I got the text. It was like flight, whatever, cancel. And I was just like, uh, here we go. And if you would have actually made it, or if the flight actually happened and you made it to Pennsylvania and this whole thing, you know, continued the way that it has been, would you have gotten stuck there or would you have to have driven back to New Orleans to get your car? I have no idea. So we were talking about that too. And that's what I was thinking. Maybe it was for the best. Um, I think that they still were allowing flights out, but Philadelphia is like really bad with the virus, obviously. So like I said, it's probably for the best that I didn't go. But it's just all annoying. Like, all the shows we had ended up getting canceled. The Code Orange record release uh, obviously got canceled, too. So it was just a bunch of crap all at once, which sucked. Yeah, I, I definitely – like obviously, we're also feeling the effects of it because we're in the middle of it right now. And you were going to go out there, and I didn't know you were going out there to um, write the next record. Have you guys uh, done that all like remotely, or do you guys just put those plans on hold till this whole thing um, passes over? Yeah, so uh, Anthony, the guitar player, he has been sending me some stuff just so I can kind of get like the idea. Um, but at least for me personally, like I, I didn't need to be like with him in person for anything to really get done. But at least I'll like know the riff, so I'm just not going in there blind. So it'll definitely happen this year. There's just no telling when it might be the end of the year, which sucks because we wanted to have it out. Like we wanted to have it out this summer, but that's obviously not going to happen. So, but it definitely will be out this year. So. Okay. Well, that's still good news to hear at least not summer, but uh, hopefully before the end of the year. Yes. And yeah, you guys had uh, some awesome plans. Like you guys, by this point of things would have uh, you know been normal. You guys would have already been to, uh, or about to go to Canada because you guys were booked on Wild Rose, which I thought was uh, really awesome that you guys got on that. Yes. Um, we were doing that. Uh, I think, and then Bob does the, uh, Bob Wilson does the Unity Barbecue every year. It ended up being on the same day. So we were going to drop uh, Canada to play that. But the biggest thing was we were supposed to be going to Europe in a few weeks with uh, that band Morning. And that's obviously not happening now. And that's depressing to even think about. So, Yeah. And that's still going to be rescheduled or is that just scrapped? Uh, yeah, no, no, I think we'll definitely reschedule it. Like I said, I just don't know when, I don't think anyone on earth knows when anything's going to happen. But, uh, like I said, that was definitely rough. Cause I feel like that's like every band's like dream. You're going to another country playing music. That's like insane to think about. So we were all really pumped. We like, all got our passports updated. We're looking at flight and we we're about to buy them. And then everyone was like, well, we should wait a little bit. And then, you know, everything went on lockdown. So yeah. who knows when that'll be rescheduled, but I know we all still really want to do it. So I fully believe it'll still happen. Hell yeah. Go out there and tour with your label mates. Yeah. I've actually never, uh, I've been out of the country. I've never been to Europe. So I'm really excited for whenever it does finally happen. And where have you been when you left the country? Uh, just to Mexico and Canada. Okay, uh, going to Mexico, uh, like from where I'm at right now, it's like it's it's pretty common. Like I've been to Mexico like a, a million times. I remember back in the day, I used to go when you didn't even need a passport to cross the border. Like you could just make it back if you had your uh, driver's license or California ID. Yeah, yeah, that's beast, bro. Uh, where were we at? Uh, Bob and uh, Robert, who plays in Burning Strong, used to be in a band called, uh, well, I guess they still play occasionally, called Mouth of the Palace. Okay. And we were on a tour one time, and 
we played this spot called Laredo, Texas, which might be one of the most legendary places for all of hardcore. That show was literally like mind blowing. But the border was like, like you could see the border from the venue. Uh And we just all thought that was like the craziest thing on earth. Because in Florida, obviously that's like not a thing. So we were just like, this is insane. Did you guys cross over at that point or did you go to Mexico on another trip? No, no, we didn't. uh, We didn't cross over right there, but we did walk up to it and we're like, this is sick. But yeah, shout out to Laredo, Texas. That is literally one of the sickest scenes I've ever seen in my life. And what tour was that happening on? Uh, let me, I want to say it was a one-off with MATP, Bind, and Jesus Peace. And I think for whatever reason, MATP, there was an off day. I might be getting this completely wrong, but they ended up just getting a show there. And it was literally so sick. It was uh, some outdoor spot, literally just in like like right by the border. It was weird, but it was one of the coolest shows I've ever been to. I've never been to Texas, uh, not even for hardcore for anything. So it's always cool to hear good things about Texas. I have to get out there at some point. Yeah, I personally uh, I love Texas. Like just even aside from hardcore, like San Antonio and Austin are two insanely sick cities. Uh, either San Antonio or Austin are probably one of the two places that I would move if I ever left Pensacola again. Okay. And when you went to Canada, was that uh, for hardcore related as well, or is that just for vacation? Uh, yeah, it was with uh, Malice of the Palace. Uh, they were on tour. What was it? It was Twitching Songs, Harm's Way, and Malice of the Palace. Okay. I remember that tour. You still there? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, th- that was an awesome tour. I actually just had uh, Colin Young on on the podcast. Oh, that's fucking sick, bro! Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great episode. I'm uh, haven't put it out yet. Um, at the time of recording this with you, um, it, it'll be out in, in a couple of days, and I'm pretty sure people are gonna be pretty surprised at how it went down. So I'm definitely looking forward to putting that one out. Yeah that that tour was uh that was 2015. So. Yeah, that tour was crazy. That was definitely the first time any of us, I think, had done anything long like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was over a month long, so we were kind of, by the end of it, we all wanted to kill each other, but that was, you know, awesome tour. And were you just, uh, like, doing merch for Mouse the Palace, or were you just hanging out? Uh, Yeah, I was doing merch somewhat, you know, chilling. Um, uh, Robert Goodspeed, who plays in MATB and Burning Strong, that's basically like, I guess old head would be the term people use. Uh Um, Every band he's ever done, any tour, when I was like super young in high school still, he would just be like, yo, do you want to go with us? And I went one time and then pretty much every band he's done after, if they go on a tour, I just go with them and chill. That's awesome. I've only been on one one tour in my life and it was because I was friends with one of the bands, obviously, and they had hit me up and they're like, hey, do you want to come like do merch? Because uh, at the time, my buddy Casey was doing merch for them, and I was just like, you don't need two merch people. And they're like, yeah, we don't need two merch people, but we have room, and it would be cool to hang out with you on tour. And I was like, all right. I was like, I can do like all of the California dates and like the Nevada and Arizona stuff, but like I have to go back to work and school, so like, I, I can't do the whole run. And it was 
honestly, it's still like one of like the most fun weeks of my entire life. So I, I definitely um, enjoyed that. And I was happy I was able to do it at that time. Yes, definitely. I mean, touring is literally one of the coolest things. I mean, coolest things ever. And those are, you know, things I'll remember my whole life. But, uh, you know, we don't do it as much anymore just because people are getting older now and have like jobs and careers and stuff, which sucks. But uh, we still do them every now and again. I think the last one we did uh, was Rob does another band called Heat Seeker. And we actually did like, they did four days in Texas, I believe, which is really funny to think about. But all the shows were sick as hell. So it was awesome. Yeah. Heat Seeker. I was, uh, I was so bummed. Uh, so my friends and I, we showed up early uh, in Florida to go to the pre-show um, for FYA. And like, no joke, the group in front of us were like the last people to get wristbands and the, the guy like handed them out and then he like turned around to us and he's like sorry like we gave it all the wristbands like uh, we're not letting anybody else in and i was so bummed because i was so stoked to see heat seeker yeah dude the way that that show is the pre-show that has been done the last few years is always crazy because it's free so obviously there's like a million people lined up for it mm-hmm. and they always do a lineup that people want to see so yeah you definitely have to get there like an hour early and just chill in line which is miserable, but it is what it is. Yeah, and we had no idea that it was going to be like that crazy because we were literally in uh, the area just hanging out. We were riding like those bird scooters, just kind of like sightseeing because like a lot of us, um, that was like our, yeah. our first time there. And when we were like, all right, like maybe we should head to the show. It's going to start soon. And like we saw like the line wrap around the building. We're like, oh, shit, this this doesn't look good. Yeah, bro. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's rough. I remember the first year or the year before uh, we went to it and yeah, it was miserable. Like the only way people could get in is if a person left and then they came back and let someone in after that. So it sucks also because if you leave there, you literally can't get back. You have to get in the back of the line. So you just have to stay in the venue the entire show, which can be exhausting. Yeah. And especially that's like the right at the beginning of everything. And you got to think you have like, like the next, like, you know, two, three days, like full of shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a long ordeal. Uh, just curious, were you at the point of contact record release? Yes, yes, I was there. I wrote up with uh, Burning Strong. That oh, was probably yeah. one of the coolest shows of all time. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first like hardcore show that I'd ever been to in Florida, and I was yeah, dude, still like one of my favorite shows like to this day. Just that lineup from like you know from the first band to uh, point of contact. It was such an awesome show. Yeah, I mean, the only show that I can think of that is better than that one to me personally was the uh, the Unity Barbecue last year in Philadelphia. Both of those shows just have, like, I can't even explain just how they feel. And I know that sounds really corny, but it's true. Uh, Bob hates that so many people talk about the barbecue and how legendary it was. But it those two shows literally, like, some of the coolest shows ever. Everyone there is friends. There's no like weird beef or anything. And if there is, they like put it aside at least for that one day. So like I said, I know that sounds corny to some people, but I think that shit's awesome. So, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, I had Keith Gallagher on, on the podcast, uh, not too long ago. And he basically gave you credit for, uh, coining the, the one scene term. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you had Keith on so everyone can see how, insane he is bro he was talking like a madman on the episode but it was still awesome 
Uh, yeah, it just kind of started as a joke, really. I forgot even how it started, but I just would keep would just walk around saying one scene in this insane voice, and then we just kind of took it and ran with it. Which I think is awesome because when I heard, because uh, I, I listened to the new payback songs before FYA, but then going to the fest and hearing Keith talk about it on stage and feeling it, I was like, this is this is crazy. Like I, I back this like one hundred percent. This is like one of the sickest things I've ever seen live. So I'm like super into it. Yeah, yeah, and like to explain the one scene unity thing real quick. I think people might like. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, Basically, I just don't think it means you don't have to be cool with literally everyone on earth. You know what I mean? Uh But basically what it means to me is like, I just don't think people who are just like being dicks to people and like other bands and stuff because it's not their style just doesn't do anything for hardcore really. And like, if you want to like talk shit on bands and all that, that's fine. But just keep it to yourself. In my opinion, there's no need to bring just pointless drama, you know, for whatever reason. It just gives everything a bad vibe. So. Yeah, basically. I mean, one scene unity, basically, just like, if you don't like it, that's fine, but just keep it to yourself and just let people have their fun. You know, if people enjoy the music, they enjoy the music. Yeah, for sure. I definitely back that. That's how I feel about, like, when it comes to hardcore, because obviously, for me, there's definitely bands that I'm not a fan of, but it doesn't do anything positive for me or the people working hard in that band if I go out and just talk trash publicly just because I don't like them. Yeah, exactly. Like in 2020, that's what, if you have a group chat with your friends where you just want to shit on stuff, that's perfectly fine. But like posting about it on Twitter or like stuff like that is just whack to me. And like, there's all these kids that like what they think is like, quote unquote, real hardcore. And I think that's just like the corny thing on earth. Like, I think the coolest thing on earth about hardcore is that there's so many different sounds and it all is hardcore at the end of the day. And you can enjoy so many things like, I love uh, Youth of the Day, but if every band for, you know, all these years just sounded like Youth of the Day, hardcore would be the most boring thing on earth. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get it. Like, today is Friday. Uh, two bands from California drop new records, Drain, Rotting Out. They don't sound anything like each other, but still, it's like, you know, hardcore and it's both, like, some amazing records. So it's like, it's, it's cool to have, like, um, you know, diversity and different sounds. Because for like obviously I I assume everybody has a like you know different tastes in music they don't just listen to one type of music twenty four seven. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, that's just like the coolest thing. I always thought that's the coolest thing about hardcore is you can listen to like insane like heavy psychotic sounding bands and then listen to like the more like eighties sounding stuff and it still all would make sense on a show because it's all hardcore. And I literally I think that's the coolest thing about hardcore easily. Okay. I uh, want to bring it back to From Within. You mentioned earlier um, briefly that you guys have 11 releases, but I'm looking at the band camp and I only see three. And I, I know there's like uh, some stuff that um, isn't on there right now, but uh, can you talk about um, what all the 11 releases are and why you haven't updated the band camp? Yeah. So I just dropped the ball on the band camp like an asshole. Like, I don't even know why. I just didn't keep up with it. But. So far, uh, Burning Strong was the first release I did, and then uh, the Payback demo was the second release, and then uh, me and uh, Streets of Hate and From Within did like a split release for uh, Payback, uh, OFJ, Split, um, Shackled, I put out their EP, 
Uh, there's a sick band um, from Texas called Sheer Force that I put out. I'm trying to think. I know I'm forgetting some. Uh, Sector, I just put out some stuff for. Mm-hmm. What else is there? There's the. Newer, I'm blowing it right now. Uh, I can't even remember my own shit. There's the newer band, Killing Me. Yes, yeah, Killing Me. Uh, Tyler Mullen uh, sings in Year of the Knife. Um, he drums with that in that band, and the rest of them are all 16. And the music is actually insanely cool. And I just thought that was the coolest thing on earth. So I was like, yo, just please let me put this out. Uh, Mobile Terror Unit is another band uh, from Delaware, Philly uh, area. Uh, they're awesome. Yeah, and then I got some more stuff planned uh, coming up. So I'm pretty excited. And Burning Strong just put out their, like, full length called The Fire Rages On. And I think it's awesome. I'm not, I know I'm a little biased, but it's literally amazing. So... And a lot of people seem to be checking it out, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have plans to update it at any point with all the releases that have happened? Yes, I definitely am. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, I have all this time now. I might as well put all this shit on the band camp so it doesn't look miserable. Oh, uh, Carbonite's the other band. Uh, the band uh, Lennon sings in, which is just sick music. And I was super pumped to put that out as well. Yes, I enjoy that band a lot. And yeah, and I, I, th- I think it would be awesome for you to do that because uh, obviously you're working hard to put these things out and the bands that you work with are you know awesome. So it'd be cool to have like the full uh, showcase of everything that um, you guys are doing over there from within instead of um, what's up there right now. No, no, I agree. Like, like I'm basically an idiot when it comes to that stuff. I heavily rely on uh, Bob and Lennon. Um, to basically like give me tips because you know Lennon does plead your case and that uh-huh. is in my opinion the coolest label around so I look up to him definitely uh, when it comes to that as corny as that sounds but it's the truth so I definitely hit him up I punish him frequently about like tips for how to run this shit so I don't look like a noob when I'm doing it yeah no I feel like that's somebody good to lean on you know you guys are from uh, oh well um, we're from the same state I, I know he recently moved um, but I'm not mad at it. And I, I seriously like burning strong. Like I don't, uh, uh, it was cool that you got them early on. Cause that new record is like so sick. I, I, I remember, uh, hearing like, like the first single and I was like, man, I'm, I'm really curious to see how like the rest of the thing like shapes out. And it was just seriously front to back. That record is seriously like one of my favorites from this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is amazing. And a bunch of, like I said, a bunch of people have checked it out, which is awesome. Um, I feel like it can be kind of harder to do bands, obviously, when you live in like a small place like we do, but just getting yourself out there. Cause like right now they can't tour or anything, like no one can do anything. So mm-hmm. I was pretty pumped with how many people bought it and were reposting it and saying it was amazing. So it was sick. Yeah. Uh, Robert, Robert Goodspeed is a musical beast, bro. So anything he does is amazing. And, it's cool too that um, they're from your area because uh, when you first um, decided to uh, you know um, work with them, were you already living in Pensacola at that point, or were you still in Alabama? Um, so I was in I was living in Nashville when I decided to do the label, and uh, the people in that band are like basically my best friends. Like we talk like every day, and I told Robert about it, um, and he was just like, "Oh, we're we're about to do this," and I was like, "Well, that's." got to be the first thing I put out. So like I said, it just worked out perfectly. Yeah. And I remember uh, when I went to that point of contact show, I wasn't too familiar with burning strong. I, I had a buddy reach out to me 
and he was like yo you're going to that show make sure to catch the opening band burning strong they're like really sick and i was like all right i'll, I'll check them out like i guess they're like you're newer ish at the time and i was just like really happy that i did because i remember I, I i went to the show and uh my friends were like you know asking like oh are you gonna go and like try to network with people i was like no not really like if i because i wasn't even sure i was gonna be at the show it wasn't even like a, like set in stone it was still kind of up in the air so i was like yeah. i was like yeah i was like if i make it out i was like i don't really plan on networking i kind of just want to go and just enjoy the show but i remember i saw uh burning strong live and i was like holy shit this man's fucking sick and I was like, okay, I was like, you know, I was like, I don't want to just try to like, you know, sell anybody on the podcast. I'm just going to do my own thing. And then I remember it was the middle of the show. It was like in between bands and I was crossing paths with Kevin, the singer. And I just, I, I just had to talk to him. I was like, yo, like, like what's up? I like introduce myself. And it turns out he had um, listened to the podcast. So I didn't even have to try to sell it to him. I just um, asked him and he was like down from the start to come on the podcast. So I was like super stoked about that. Cause yeah, seeing him live for the first time just blew me away. Yeah. I mean, Kevin's amazing. Uh, like I said, I feel like their set was awesome at that show too. Uh, people were moshing and stuff. And that was the first time they had ever played outside Pensacola. Oh, really? And uh, they had a fill-in drummer. The uh, drummer from Mouse of the Palace actually filled in, and the set was awesome. So it was a good set. Like I said, that show is like top three favorite shows of all time. And the venue, I I was hoping to see more shows happen at that spot. Do you know anything about like um, about that spot? Like, how come they didn't have any more shows like past that record release? So that was the first show i think that was the first hardcore show there uh -huh. um i think jose uh jose from point of contact and i think garrett who plays guitar in point of contact are the ones who put that all together and from what they told me they thought it would be fine because i guess that they'd had death metal shows there uh -huh. but i don't think they knew what like moshing was and like the sense of hardcore music and they were not having it uh the woman who ran it, she was being sketchy the whole time, and yeah, she was. They were just not happy. I mean, luckily they let the show still go on, but it was like yeah, it wasn't looking too good for a minute. That's crazy. I, I literally had no idea about that because, like, when I dealt with the staff, because I like I spent some time at the bar because they were showing some of the UFC fight that was going on that night, and everybody seemed friendly. Like I didn't get the vibe that they weren't into what was going on with like the music. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's how I felt, too. But then I was talking to Jose, and he was like, yeah, there will never be another hardcore show here ever again. And I was like, oh, well, that's fine. But I thought the venue was cool. Uh, the stage was, like, high enough to where you could jump off and shit. And, like, the floor was awesome. And then the outside was just a huge parking lot, which is, like, prime chilling area in between bands. So, sick venue. It sucks that there will never be another show there, so yeah i was looking at that spot like it would be a super sick uh spot for like an after show for fya yes yes um did you go to any yeah you did go to the after shows this year uh at fya yeah so normally they're at this legendary venue called spot um which is not far from the venue where fya was at uh -huh. um but for whatever reason it just couldn't be there this year and i can't explain to you how much better it is than the venue that the shows were at this year like the show, the after shows this year, that was that spot was literally comical with how small it was. Yeah, I remember like, walking I, in. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I walked in and I was just like, oh, wow. I was like, this is where the show is. And just how small it was. I was like, I don't know how the vibe's going to be. This is kind of strange. 
And then uh, that's how I felt too. And then um, like the the audio like difficulties, the technical difficulties, which was like you know a bummer for some of the bands. Um, but I, I was yeah kind of surprised that it, it, it to like you know um, happened at that spot. Yeah, like I said, the other uh, the other spot uh, is called Spot Skate Park of Tampa. That venue is like perfect venue for hardcore music. It's sick. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what happened, but I guess the person who was running it this year was just like, oh, we can't do the shows here this year, which was a bummer. But I have been told that they it's going to come back for next year. So the after shows will be there next year, which is awesome. Yeah. My friends and I, we actually went to go visit that skate park. And uh, some of the people that were with us went to the after show when uh, Wise played and um, I can't remember who else was on that bill, but they're like, we actually walked into the room where the show happened because uh, there was like, you know, kids in there. Like there was like a couple like arcade machines and like, I think like a pool table or something. And I was, yeah. uh, I was in there. I was like, damn, this, this spot would be sick for a hard to show. So I'm definitely looking forward to it being there next year. Yeah. Yeah. I know you were saying uh, some, the bands had like technical difficulties or whatever. Um, I remember that band Absara. Uh, that was probably like top five who I was most excited excited to see mm-hmm. i think that band's amazing um and i just felt so bad for them that everything was just like it was late uh the vibe like the venue was weird and then they're like guitar- the dude like broke his guitar completely if i remember correctly and i just felt so bad for them so i was really pumped that they hopped on after envision the next day and got to play some songs at the fest yeah, so like I'm I'm friends with those guys, and literally before the set, I was talking to one of the guitar players, Kyle, and he was like, "Yeah, man, it, it kind of like took us a lot to get out here, so like I'm I'm hoping this set's gonna be worth it." And I'm like, "For sure!" Like I was like, "I know a lot of people were you know hyping you guys up, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to seeing you guys live, so it should be fine." And then you know their set went down, and they were having all those problems, and I was like, "Shit!" Like I felt really bad for them. Um, but then, yeah, luckily uh, they were able to play uh, two songs at, at the actual fest, which I thought was like so sick of, um, you know, or so sick for them. And just seeing the reaction at the fest, I was like, OK, this is like redemption. This is like how it should have been last night. So the fact that the entire fest gets to experience this is like so awesome for them. And I was like really happy that it played out that way. Yeah, uh, like I said, I love that band. Um, I just don't think there's a band out right now that really sounds like them. And they just have, like, I don't know, the music's just sick. He's got sick lyrics, and I hope they do a full record soon because I feel like they could blow up and do sick tours and stuff. Yes, I I definitely agree. Um, Everybody in that band is talented because uh, I think uh, everybody in that band, except for the singer, has other bands, and they're all sick. So I'm, I'm really stoked on that lineup uh like what they do and uh, same here. I, I hope th- uh, they do put out a full length and are able to play more shows. Yeah, the um, release they just did on Plead Your Case, uh, I think it's called Karma's Pool. Those songs are beast mode, and the demo the demo is awesome, too. Like, the first time I heard that, I probably listened through it ten times. Like, I was obsessed with it when it came out. That's an awesome band. Yeah, yeah, really stoked for, uh, to know those guys and really stoked that um, they're doing cool stuff and putting out good music. So, like I said, looking forward to hearing what they do in the future. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, going back to Burning Strong real quick, uh, y- you guys had the uh, release for the Fire Rages on on CD. Um, are there any plans to do it on vinyl? Um, so I'm not gonna do that one on vinyl, but I I want to do records really bad. Um, it's just really scary financially. So 
I'm just trying to find like the right release. Mm-hmm. I think if we would have planned it a little bit better, that one would have been on vinyl. But the way that everything just got dragged out, like the guy who recorded it took a little bit longer than they planned and the dates just kept getting back and back and back. And then we were like, well, we should do it on vinyl. And I was like, yeah, I agree. But then the wait time for the vinyl would have been like a few months. So we just like, oh, we can do a CD. And I I think they'll do more music. So if they do more music, I'm down to do a seven inch or a uh, 12 inch. But um, I'm definitely planning on doing a record for a band this year. Like I said, I'm just waiting on the right one because it is very scary financially with how much records cost nowadays, which sucks. But yeah, I just don't want to put something out and then just lose mad money you know what i mean yeah no i i definitely get that it is an investment um but uh i'm excited to see which record you actually do finally put out yes uh like i said i plan on doing one this year i already have a band in mind who i've briefly talked to them about it so hopefully that all works out yeah, because honestly, like I, I look at some of the stuff that you uh, or the bands that you worked with, and I, I feel like like bands like uh, like Carbonite, like I feel like uh, they could have done like a six seven inch. So um, I'm seriously. Yeah, st- yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and say that's the band I want to do a record for. Um, oh. I've briefly talked to Lennon about it, and if he's down, um, whenever all this shit is over and they can actually start playing shows, I feel like that would be an awesome uh, first record for me. Um, because I think that band's sick and people like them and it was just like, would be a good combination of things. For sure. Well, I didn't, and just to clarify, I didn't know that I, that was just an example that I put out there. So no, no, definitely. Definitely. But you, you already said it. So I was like, I might as well talk about it. Okay. I just don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And, um, I guess it might've, I I guess if you would have done the, the burning strong record on vinyl, with everything that's going on right now, it, there's chances it could still be at the plant. Cause I know that um, some bands records have been pushed back and like, you know, they're yeah, supposed to uh, come out. The, uh, seat of pain record got pushed back. Um, not like crazy, but it got pushed back. So yeah. Um, yeah, the timing of just, like I said, people still, I sold a good amount of the CDs and a bunch of people shared it, but the timing for putting out a new record, like the week that everything shut down was miserable, but it is what it is. Yeah. And I, Excuse me. I know that they were supposed to have that record release uh, with that Code Orange show. Do you know if they um, have plans to do like a an official record release show, or are they just kind of going to move past that? No, no. I actually was talking to Robert about that earlier. We definitely still uh, they still want to do a show. It's just a matter of when. Um, that show getting canceled was like devastating on many levels because uh, Pensacola, like we have shows here, mm-hmm. but it's not like a, it's not a huge city by any means. So that was like a pretty big show for us. And that was like easily the biggest show that they would have been able to get on in our area, uh, probably for the foreseeable future. But like the record release show will still be awesome, but the amount of people that would have been there who probably had no idea who they were and would have heard them and probably liked it would have been a lot. So that kind of sucks. But um, yeah, I mean, Robert owns his own uh, venue called night move. So it's just a matter of when all this virus stuff is over and life goes back to normal and we can plan something out. And just curious, the kids who would have been at that show who would have not been familiar with burning strong. Like where are those kids funneling, like funneling in from? So Pensacola is like weird. Like, so there would have been like a bunch of older, like maybe metalheads at that show who I feel like would have liked them. 
And there's also like younger kids who are into hardcore here, but I don't think understand that there's like a scene here, or maybe they're too young to like go to shows or their parents are kind of freaked out about it. I don't really know. Cause I like see, like if I'm in the mall or just like going out somewhere, I'll see like kids in hardcore shirts, like young kids. And I'll be like, bro, like what the, what the fuck? Like, why aren't, why aren't you ever at shows? But I don't know. Um, I think one thing that was holding Pensacola back from a long time is the main like venue we had was called the handlebar and it was downtown. And it's like the, it's my favorite venue of all time. But if I was a parent and my 16 year old was like, Hey, I want to go to a show at the handlebar. I would tell them hell no. Cause it was like a pretty sketchy place. Uh, not in a bad part of town, but not in a great part of town. And I mean, it was at like a, like a rundown dive bar. So I think that held people back for a while, but ever since uh, night moves open, there's been a bunch more younger kids coming. Um, there's actually a kid named Miles uh, that plays in a straight edge band with me and Rob. He's sick. He just turned 16 and he's a beast, bro. He lo- he loves hardcore. So I feel like more younger kids will come around. It's just a matter of like them finding out that hardcore exists here. And what's the name of that New Year's straight edge band that you're, you're playing in? Uh, it's a band called Cradle to Grave. Uh, we've been around for a little bit. We don't play that much anymore, um, but whenever we can, we still play a show here and there. We uh, we played FYA, I think it was 2017, and we got to play the after show the next year, so pretty sick. Yeah, I, I remember Rob, because uh, uh, Rob's been on the podcast, and uh, I remember him mentioning that band on that episode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like I said, uh, the I forgot, Rob found Miles through, he just saw some kid, oh, he found him on Instagram somehow, and he was like, he had three X's in his bio, and Rob immediately hit me up, he was like, dude, who is this kid? Because like I said, where we live, that's like, it's not like when I go to like Philadelphia, I'll see people, I'll see 20 kids walking around in hardcore shirts just on the side of the street, like it's just normal there, but where we live, that's just not a thing, so like we found someone like that and we were like, Whoa, this is crazy. And he, on his Instagram, he had a link to him and his dad covering an inclination song. Um, he plays guitar and drums, but he's, he's literally a beast at guitar. So we're like, dude, we gotta like, we gotta meet this kid somehow. And I think he came to a show. And like I said, he's really good at guitar. And we were just like, yo, do you want to play guitar in this band? And he was like, yeah. And he came to the first practice and Robert didn't have to teach him a single thing. He learned everything by ear and just played through the whole set, which is awesome and crazy. That's so sick. I love that story. I love guys like you, obviously uh, paying attention to the younger kids coming to the scene and actually like wanting to include them and do shit with them because that's what's always important. Because like I've said a million times on this podcast, the youth of hardcore is always important. So we can't overlook them or try to keep them out. We got to, you know, like work with them, put them on and, you know, make them feel welcome because they're the future. No. Yeah. I mean, 100%. That's what hardcore is about at the end of the day. Like being a 15, 16 year old kid and just like finding hardcore and just being like, I can't believe this exists and I never had it in my life before. But, uh, I don't know if this is me personally. I just feel like younger kids just aren't that common, not just where we're from, just in general. Like, I feel like it shows and fests and stuff like that. I just see, like, I still see, like, your, you know, 19, 20-year-old. I feel like it's almost like the new, like, 16-year-old, which I don't really know why that's a thing now, but that's just what I've noticed. Like I said, I could be completely wrong, but 
I just think it's funny now when I hear about a 16 year old liking hardcore, I'm like, Oh my, that's the craziest thing on earth. But I was like 15, 16 when I got into hardcore and I don't think anyone thought it was crazy. It was just kind of like, it seemed like it was a normal thing then. So, well, we got to just keep doing our part and pay attention and make sure this thing stays alive. And, you know, with your record label and with what you're doing with like, you know, people, um, like the story you just told, like that's just important. So I feel like we just keep doing our part that we should be okay. Oh yeah, I agree. Like I said, the uh, biggest part here is like, we like see kids in the mall and freak out. Like it's just, I don't know. It's hard to some, you don't want to be that guy that just like walks up to someone and is like, yo, what's that shirt you're wearing? Like, do you go to shows, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I don't want to punish someone like that publicly, especially like some kid who is like, who is this weird older dude trying to talk to me right now? Dude, that's me in Disneyland. Whenever I see anybody wearing it, like, and it, it, it like depends on the band, um, but I always try to do my best to reach out and just say what's up because uh, like most of the time when I see people in Disneyland that are wearing hardcore shirts and I don't recognize them, uh, it's because they're from out of state or out of town because Disneyland's like a destination. So I always try to go say what's up and kind of you know check their temperature and see uh, like what's up? Cause I love hardcore. So I'm always down to meet people, especially if they're not from my area. Cause I'm always curious, like, you know, how they found out about hardcore and like what they're doing in Disneyland. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we, we will do that sometimes. I don't know. It's just so hard. Sometimes like the other day I was at Starbucks and I just looked over outside and there was just some girl outside wearing a district nine shirt who I'd never seen in my entire life. And like I said, where we live, like, if you see a hardcore shirt out in public, it's like you just found gold somewhere. Like, I don't know how to explain. It's just very, it's a, you like do an insane double take if you see something like that. And did you say anything to her? Because I feel like District 9 is not uh, a common hardcore band. So I feel like somebody who's wearing a, like a District 9 shirt has to know about like a, a little more about hardcore. No, 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 I agree. I did not say anything. She was sitting with a group of people and I was like, I can't be this weird punisher right now. But every time I say that and then leave, I immediately regret it. I was like, damn, I should have, like, maybe she just moved here and has no idea that shows go on. So maybe I should have just said what's up to her and told her that, like, I guess to look up the Night Moves Instagram or whatever and, you know, let her know we have hardcore shows. So I definitely need to start being more of a punisher and just do that, I guess. Yeah, or maybe as you left, her and her friends were like, oh, my God, that's the drummer of Payback. (laughs) (laughs) No, if anyone, I'd kill myself if that happened. I I feel like that's not a thing to be embarrassed about. I feel like that's like sick to be recognized for the music that you play. No, no, I mean I agree, I agree. Uh yeah, I'm I'm God, I'll get roasted if I say that, but I'm definitely proud of the music payback put out so far. Um can't wait to do the record when all this shit is over with. Yeah. How uh you guys gotta do a music video. I think that would be so sick. I I obviously I've never filmed a music video. I don't know how to facilitate that, but I feel like you guys got to do it at some point. I would love to. I don't know if Keith can mentally handle that, bro. He, as you saw, he is a psychotic human being. Have you ever seen the uh, face rig video with him in it? Yes. I actually, so (laughs) by the time that music video had come out, I I think I might've already um, had asked him to come on the podcast or maybe somebody um, or one of like the many people who had suggested I have him on, like told me that he was in that video. But yeah, I I definitely watched it before I I had a chance to have him on the podcast. Yeah, dude, Keith is a beast. He is one of the nicest and best friends that you could have, but he is absolutely out of his mind. 
Yeah, and I was literally like, I was dying listening to this episode when he would just like, he'd be like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk, like I'm not gonna ramble, and then he would ramble for like ten minutes straight. It was killing me. Yeah, and and I I don't think I really said it um, on that episode, but uh, just the way that episode came together, I had other things scheduled so i wasn't able to have him on as long as i wanted which was definitely a bummer yeah but i i just jumped to the chance of having him on because uh i'd been chasing him for so long i you were one of the people that i'd reached out to behind the scenes to um, hit him up for me and i was like all right i was like if he's gonna do it at this time i was like i have to do it even though like i have to squeeze him in um it sucks but i was like i, I gotta do it just because i don't know if this opportunity is gonna ever come again but luckily had him on he had a great time and we're, we're going to do another one in the future. And when I do that one, I'm going to make sure to have nothing else scheduled so we can go as long as he wants to talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember he hit me up about that. Um, he's not like, he doesn't ignore anyone, but he works for like the government or whatever. And he works in a building where you can't have your phone that has no windows. So basically when he gets off and he sees 500 text messages, He's just like, dude, fuck this, and doesn't respond. So it's pretty typical if I talk to him, we pretty much will respond to each other every every like other day. Okay, for sure. I've... But I will say that I will say that he literally loves hardcore probably more than any human being ever alive. Like when I say he literally doesn't listen to any music but hardcore, that's not an exaggeration. I don't think he he literally listens to nothing but hardcore, which some people will hate on, but. If you know Keith, it just makes sense and is the actual coolest thing on earth. Yeah, no, I enjoyed talking to him, and I love that he was, uh, you know, down to talk. Because uh, literally, like everybody who reached out to me beforehand and had suggested him, uh, you know, sold him as like the guy who like loves hardcore, has a lot of cool stories, and I, I felt like I was barely even scratching the surface with him. Because yeah, like we, we covered payback and a couple other things, but like we didn't even get to go like too deep, like when it comes to the actual like music of hardcore. So I'm definitely looking forward to being able to talk to him again in the future. Yeah, bro. He like I said, he likes it. He likes anything hardcore. He can talk about for 20 hours, which is amazing. Yeah, same here. Like I, I love hardcore. I I definitely could talk about it um, for for a long time, and I feel like that's why I do this podcast because I'm here uh, multiple times a week, um, and I love talking to people about the music that we like. You know, that's like so important to all of us. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, that's what, like, people like Keith, like, if for some reason I went away for, if I just went away for 10 years and lived in the mountains and came back down, I know I could hit Keith up and be like, yo, bro, what's what's the new band right now? What's, like, the current good shit? And he would just send me a list of 50 bands and tell me, like, what record to check out and all this. So he's the man. Hell yeah. Definitely uh, appreciate him. Um, one thing that I didn't know about you um, while I was at FYA um, is I had no idea that you were into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes, yes. I've been doing it a little over four years now. And uh, you're a blue belt? Yeah, yeah, I'm a blue belt. Okay. And um, can you talk about uh, how you got into that? Because I, to me, I... I I trained mixed martial arts. I uh, did some jujitsu. And I, I think that is like really important because I feel like people who don't understand, like the, even like just the basics, like a white belt uh, could have an advantage over like, just like your typical Joe Schmo who doesn't know anything about like, just like basic chokes or like, you know, 
or about how to like distribute your body weight or anything. So uh, when I did it for the first oh, time, 100%. yeah, I, it blew my mind, like doing jujitsu and actually learning like the fundamentals of it. So I was just curious, like how you got into it and um, why you're so down to stick with it. Cause being a blue belt is sick. Yes. Um, so I actually, I did karate when I was like 11 or 12 years old. And at the place that I went to, he just all of a sudden one day was like, yo, we're not doing karate anymore. Like we're doing jujitsu. This is when I was like a really young kid. And so I did it for like six or seven months when I was young and then just kind of got into like music and skateboarding, you know, it just kind of like fell away, you know, shit happened with kids. But, um, one day I was like, damn, I should do jujitsu again. Like I liked it a lot, even when I was that young. And, uh, my friend who lived in Birmingham at the time, knew some people in Mobile where I lived who had just opened up a school, um, which was uh, 10th Planet Mobile. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. And then I just started and I've been doing it a little over four years ever since. I had no idea you were training at uh, 10th Planet. Uh, are, are, so you're primarily, or primarily no-gi? Uh, I like no-gi 100 times more. I train in the gi because I like... I don't know if I think it's important, but I like it. There's a lot more techniques and uh, like shit to do. So, you know, I might as well dabble in it. Um, but yeah, Nogi is like definitely what I love and what I would say I'm the best at easily. Yeah. I, I remember when I went, it was like one of the first times we did like live uh, roles and there was a, a a girl there and like at the MMA school, she was, uh, I'm pretty sure she was just visiting. She was like a, like a brown belt, like Pan Am champion, and yeah, bro, beast. Yeah, and I, I, I never really like you know, like had anything serious. Like at that point, so I was like, all right, like let me go in and roll with this girl. And I remember, like the first thing I did, I, I, I just, uh, you know, brute strength. I just caught her in, uh, uh just a guillotine, right? standard yeah. stuff so i was like all right cool i was like i was like this girl's a, a brown belt pan am champ this girl must suck if i if i choked her out right so um yeah so like you know we're going through the rotation so i get back to her and we're, we're going again and me being just like a dumb white belt just being cocky i was like oh this girl again like i'm gonna get her like no problem and obviously she was taking it easy on me the first time because second go around she doesn't hold back. She slaps on an armbar so fast. I seriously freaked out. I didn't know what to do. So like, I had to tap and I was just tripping out. I was like, wow, I was such an idiot thinking that she sucked because I caught her in, in the first round. And then she showed me like some of her skill at our second go around. I was like, damn, this is insane. I was like, I, I fucking love this. This is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, like purple belt and up like purple belt is like the first belt where I feel like you are just like a certified beast. Okay. Um, but yeah, brown belt is a scary person. Uh, no matter height, gender, age. If you're a brown belt, black belt, you are a scary person. So, but yeah, uh, jujitsu is easily the only thing I probably like as much as hardcore. And before this whole like pandemic stuff, like how often were you actually training? Uh, I train about four days a week typically. Um, my clap, my uh, gym is still doing Zoom classes, and I have like a little mat and a grappling dummy, so it's not the same. But at least mentally, I can still keep and stay where I'm at and do some type of drilling. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's not like miserable, but I definitely cannot wait for the first day classes back. I'm gonna lose my mind. And are those like night classes, or do they happen during the day? 
Uh, they normally happen around five or six, just depending on the day of the week. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually um uh I I, I don't think I've even said this publicly, but I'm actually moving like across town in a couple of days, and I'm mm-hmm. actually moving closer to this uh, gym. So there's this guy that I met like a like probably like early on in like Orange County. So I I used to. And this was like one of the most weirdest nights I've ever had. I was hanging out with, with this girl because I, I had like a huge crush on her. And she was like, oh, like, let's mm-hmm. go to the strip club. And I'm like, all right. So like, I, I drove out to, um, she lived in Eagle Rock. So I, I drove out to Eagle Rock. And she's like, oh, like, let's go to the strip club. It'll be fun. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's go. Like, I don't care what we do. I just want to hang out with you. So we went. The strip club was dead. It was super whack. And she was like, oh, okay. Well, this is <laughs> kind of like a dud. Like, do you want to do something else? And I was like, sure. Like, I'm down for like whatever. And she was like, hey, like, I have some friends that are at the ice house in Pasadena. Like, I, I know you like Joe Rogan, like he's there tonight. Do you want to go? I was like, sure. Like I'm down. Like, let's go. So we, w- yeah. So we went and we like met up with um like her friends and like, I don't know if it's cause like I was a dude meeting like other dudes, but like, like all of them were dicks except for this one guy. Like everybody was mean to me. And I was just like, I get it. Like, you guys are like, you know, trying to be like the alpha type. Cause they were all like jujitsu dudes. Like, uh, like, you know, I'm um, going to, tournaments and actually like you know um pretty legit like one guy had a yeah like one guy had like his own clothing line so i was like whatever you guys are all mean but this one guy who's nice to me like i'll talk to him and in talking to him uh, his name's matt shout out uh, matt he was like one of the instructors at um at the time it was uh uh, 10th planet buena park and he was like hey like you should come out and like train with me like like this is cool that you're like wanting to do it more. Like I work over at the 10th planet and Buena park, like you should do it. So I was like, all right, like I'm down. Um, but I got scared because I just, I didn't like, I always had this fear of like getting my knee torn apart. So like I, I never went and turns out that that location ended up closing and I think it folded into Fullerton. But then I think Matt, um, he ended up going to 10th planet orange where he's at to this day. And I actually have a buddy who's a pro fighter who trains there. And so like, I always see him on my Instagram. I'm like, it's so weird. It's like, I met that guy like years ago and the fact that he's still doing it. And, and he eventually like is now like one of the main instructors at 10th planet orange. He's a black belt, like super legit guy. I was like, man, I, I got to go there. So now that I'm moving closer to that gym, which is like literally like one exit down the freeway from where I'm going to be living. Like, I'm like, fuck, I was like, I, I think I just got to go now. Cause I, I think it's time. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you basically live in like the mecca of jujitsu for the United States. Like California has too many crazy gyms to even name. Um, it's pretty insane there. So you're definitely lucky in that aspect that you can train with like some of the best people on like earth, not just in the United States, but like some of the best competitors in the you know world train out of California. Yeah, my real dream is to go down to Costa Mesa and train with Tony Ferguson. That'd be beast, bro. He's a legend. I can't believe the fight got canceled for the trillionth time, and it'll never happen now. So, you want to hear about the story how I met Tony Ferguson? Would love to, bro. I was at the Orange County Fair. It was the first time going to the uh, county fair. It was like a work event, and I was leaving because it was the you know event was over, uh, and everybody was like, "All right, like you can stay here, do whatever, or you can just go home." So like, fuck this, I'm going home. Um, I literally only showed up to get my bonus check. So I was leaving and I'm like going through the crowd and I see Tony Ferguson and like, I was like him and like one of his friends, they're like walking towards me. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's Tony Ferguson. I was like, I have to say something to him. I hope he's nice. So like I, I walk up and I was like, yo, I was like, you're Tony, like you're Tony Ferguson. Right. And I could tell he was like kind of drunk. He was like, yeah, man, like what's up? And he like, you know, shook my hand and I was just like, you know what? I was like, I, I know you're here trying to um, enjoy your time. So I don't want to like, you know, freak out, but 
I want you to kick Khabib's ass because this is when they got matched up the first time. And at that point, Khabib hadn't pulled out because I remember he pulled out and they replaced him with uh, Kevin Lee. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So when I was talking to him, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I want you to kick like, Khabib's ass. I think you're like the best lightweight in the world. He's like, don't worry, dude. Like, I got you. Like, like, thank you. And he was super nice. And and then, you know, obviously through the years, we see how like that match was just falling apart time and time again, which is so crazy. It literally is miserable because it would maybe be one of the best fights of all time. Uh, and I genu- I genuinely at this point don't think it'll ever happen, which is like honestly miserable. But yeah, uh, I like Tony Ferguson a lot. Um, he's like 10th planet's like guy, obviously. But even besides that, he's just a sick fighter. He's got a sick style. Yeah. And obviously the fight was, uh, you know, called off. Khabib went home and then they had – Justin Gaethje step in, but then just yesterday, uh, the governor and like Disney, like basically were like, Hey, yeah, like, you know, bro. like pull the plug. And I was like, damn it. Like, what the hell? Like, like this, like puts like, um, like a bigger log gem now at one fifty five Cause at least if that matchup would have happened between Ferguson and Gaethje, we would have had another interim lightweight champion. So I guess we could have had like a clearer picture at the top, but now that that got called off and now everybody's on hold, you're like, Holy shit. Like, what is the matchmakers going to do? Because obviously, you know, Connor's in there. He's been itching to fight since his last fight. And who, yeah. who knows when Khabib's actually going to come back. I think he's going to have to come back after Ramadan. So it's, it's just crazy now, like, how this whole thing's going to shake out. It's such a bummer. Because I feel like, in my opinion, I think Tony would have beaten Khabib. I, I just have this, like, you know, so much, like, confidence in him. So. No, no, same. I feel like if anyone could, it'd be Tony Ferguson. Um, People, if we're punishing you right now with jujitsu and UFC talk, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I, I love it. It's fine. Um, yes, um, yeah. I mean, I I don't hate Khabib by any means. Uh, he's not my favorite, but I don't hate him. I obviously think he's an insane fighter. But if Tony Ferguson like choked him out or knocked him out, it would literally be the most legendary thing in the history of the UFC. So I wish that it could happen, but sadly, I don't think he will ever get the chance unless a miracle happens. Yeah, I as much as I don't want to admit it, like I I feel the same way. Like I don't think it's ever gonna happen because you got Tony coming out today saying he's just gonna put on more muscle, so he might even go back up to one seventy. Yeah, he might he might go a different weight class, and then it'll just never happen, which is miserable. Yeah, because because you think about it, okay, never has the UFC done that in in the history of the entire company. Never have they tried that many times to put a matchup together. And they, they've only done it because people want to see it so bad. And, like, that's the fight that needs yeah, to happen. Yeah, it's like they would make millions of dollars off of it. Multi-million. Tens of millions of dollars or whatever. And when I, I look at that matchup, I legit feel that um, that's, like, number one and number two going against each other to, to see who's actually the best in that weight class. Because, obviously, the rankings are shit. Things get so, like, you know, messed up. And, like, people are just skipping ahead and not all the correct matchups are being made. But when I look at those two fighting, I was like, all right, those are legit the top two fighters in that weight class. And for them to fight, to see who's the real champion, like, I was like, fuck, we need that. No, no, I agree. Uh, I don't know. The UFC has got a lot of problems. Like I think they need to add more weight classes. Um, I don't watch much Bellator, but there's another organization called one FC mm-hmm. who I feel like is like one of the sickest out right now. Cause all their fights are free. And they like take extra precautions to make sure people aren't dehydrated for weight cuts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, everyone just moves up a weight class instead of like 
cutting themselves down into a skeleton to make weight and then trying to rehydrate the night before, which is super dangerous. So I think uh, 1FC is sick. Uh, that guy, Gary Tonin, fights in it, who is like a jiu-jitsu like, superstar. That's probably one of my favorite grapplers of all time. So Yeah, he was part of the, uh, the Danaher Death Squad, right? Yes, yes, yes. He's a beast. Yeah, and he's like one of those guys that uh, has transitioned really well from jiu-jitsu to MMA, and he's just taking guys out like so fast. It's insane. Yeah, he's undefeated, and I, people were talking like an insane amount of shit on him, saying that he would only be good on the ground, but he's knocked out a few people. And I mean, I don't think there's like if you can tap someone out on like if you can use jujitsu to beat someone, I don't see how that's embarrassing. But I feel like a lot of people who don't like know like the sport like that, they're like they just want to see someone get their head kicked off, which I understand. But uh, as a jujitsu person, I just think it's always awesome when someone just like technically just breaks someone down and just wins like that. I wish uh, Gordon Ryan would come to MMA. Uh, I don't think he ever will, bro. He makes an absurd amount of money talking shit online to everyone. Did so, he, did he really re- retire? No, 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 he didn't. He basically said that he basically, uh, there's actually an interview the other day I watched when he was like, yeah, I just said that to get like more attention. So okay. like he posts, I feel like a, a bunch of people like hate him really bad. And I, I understand why, because he says some pretty like crazy shit. But at the end of the day, I truly think it's just because he knows that that's what will make him successful. You know, if that's the route you want to go, I mean, maybe it's not the best one in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, he lives in like a mansion right now, so he's obviously doing something right. And he probably will go down in history as one of the best uh, nogi grapplers of all time. So, Yeah, I feel like it's okay for him to talk that shit because he's like one of the guys that can actually back it up. Yeah, he's one of the few. He literally he literally can talk shit to any grappler on earth and beat them, and he's proven it like 20 times over, which is crazy. But um, he all, like I said, he also acts like an insane dickhead, but I truly think it's just because he knows that that will get him fights for the rest of his like career. So I understand it, but I also understand that people want him to die. So, Are you familiar with that, um, that uh, jiu-jitsu event, Quintet? Have I talked to you about that before? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Quintet, uh, legendary uh, pride fighter, uh, Sakuraba runs it. He's a beast. Yeah, that, that uh, I, I can't remember which event it was, but when Gordon Ryan tapped out, um, why am I drawing? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? He, he has his own gym in uh, Fullerton, heavyweight uh, James Barnett. Not James. Yeah, yeah Barnett. Uh, did he, I want to say he got him in a triangle. I think. But yeah, I remember it was crazy because James Barnett is ginormous. Is that his first name? Because that, that sounds so wrong to me. <laughs> Josh, not James, it's Josh. God, okay. Josh, yeah, Josh Barnett. Excuse Josh me. Barnett. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. We're close with the J. Yeah, when he said Josh Barnett, I was like, holy shit, that's so wild. Yes, bro. He, like I said, he is one of the few people on earth who literally can say whatever he wants and back it up. So mm-hmm. you got to respect him on that, even if you hate him. So. Yeah, and for me, I, I know like uh, a lot of people who aren't like super familiar with jujitsu, they don't really understand like you know position or like you know techniques that people are going for. I always like to suggest them watch quintet since it's like um, like a team event and it's like you know it's like fast pace and um, I feel like that's like easier to watch for people who aren't really like you know well informed. So I, I I like to suggest yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think it's uh 
yeah, I think it's a little more exciting too because like it's like back to back to back to back fights mm-hmm. and rounds, so it's like pretty constant with the like team thing. Uh, so I agree. And um, have you ever competed? Is that something you're interested in? Yeah, yeah, I, I compete uh, whenever I can. Uh, tournament, like where you live, there's like a tournament every weekend. It's so insane, and I wish it was like that here. But I probably compete like once every like two months. We have one. I make sure to do them anytime I can. Okay. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's always good to go out there and get like that experience because um, it's a little different from actually just being in the gym training. Oh, 100 percent. And like uh, if people who like don't like to compete, I get it. And I don't think it really matters. But if you do like to compete, I think it's pretty important, um, especially if you ever like want to teach one day or anything like that. Like, I think it just validates that the techniques that you're doing are like legit and it's not just something you can pull on a white belt in, you know, like at the end of class rolling and it works. So I think competing is pretty important depending on what you want your goals to be with jujitsu. Yeah. And also, like, what I like about that community is that um, it's, like, really welcoming. Oh, for sure. I, I feel like uh, I don't, like, punish people to try jujitsu, but when my friends ask me about it, I'm like, yeah, just come try out a class. Like, the first, like, couple classes are always free, and everyone just has it in their head that it's, like, this crazy thing where we're just, like, beating the shit out of each other, like, nonstop. And I'm like, no, it's not like that at all, like if you're like training for a tournament or something like that, yeah, you roll hard and you're like giving it your all, but it's not like kickboxing or anything where you're getting like hit in the head. Like injuries obviously happen, but it's a pretty like calm sport overall. And if you don't want to go hard, you can still like fully do jujitsu at a slow pace and get something out of it and learn technique and stuff without like trying to kill yourself. So I think that's like the coolest thing about it is you can go full contact and not have to worry about getting CTE or some crazy shit down the line. And just here's a, do you wear a cup when you roll? No, no, I do not wear a cup. Um, I've heard, I've, I've only had one incident where I wanted to jump off a bridge because this guy need me in the nut so hard, but I've heard way more horror stories about people wearing cups, uh, where basically, like one of their nuts basically comes out of the cup and then the cup got sat on and it just destroyed them. Like they had to go have surgery and stuff. So I don't wear a cup. Okay. I, I was just curious. Yeah. Well, when I used to uh, train uh, regularly, I, I wouldn't wear a cup either. No, I don't wear a mouthpiece either. Um, the only time I wear a mouthpiece is in a tournament, but I just, I don't know. I just don't like them. I wore them just because, uh, like, like where I was training, uh, we would obviously, uh, where we were doing the MMA, we were also doing the ju- jujitsu, just depending on what day it was. So it was just normal for me to have it in my bag. Oh, yeah, of course. If you're doing uh, kickboxing or more time or anything, wear a mouthpiece. Definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget um, when I actually went to train for the first time. I went thinking, I was like, yeah, like I've been in like, you know, some street fights. Like I, I should be okay. And the coach was like, yo, like show me how you throw, throw a kick. And I, I remember I, I just threw the run with like the worst technique. And he's like, all right. He's like, we got to teach you how to properly throw a kick. And I was like, okay. And yeah, my, my, it's a little crazier than people think. Yeah. My mind was just blown. I was like, holy shit. Like I, I used to think I was like, you know, decent. I could hold my own, but like coming in here and like, just like having my mind blown on like technique and stuff. I was like, this is insane. I was like, this is fun. This is cool. But I was like, yeah, I was like, I definitely didn't know shit before I walked into this place. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, 
like you were saying earlier, um, like a six-month white belt, if they get into a street fight, they're probably going to just dominate whoever they're fighting unless it's like a 300-pound person and they're like 150 pounds. Because like like you were saying also, most people just like – they don't understand how their body like works when it comes to that. So they get on the ground and they're just like, what the hell do I do right now? Yeah, it's crazy too because I, I feel like um... – like everybody should know it, like at least the basic stuff to like just for basic just protection. Yeah, just self defense. No, I agree completely. Um I yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I have a buddy and he has a daughter and she's uh doing karate and I was like, That's cool. Um and he he, he tells me about like this girl, like there's like an older girl in his daughter's class who's just like insane because she's like like a year or two older and she's just like you know like fucking up the bag is like way more crazy than all the other kids because they're a little bit younger so the instructor kind of like has her like training off on her own and i i, I always like kind of like drop hints here and there like suggesting I was like, hey like you know um if she's into like martial arts you should try to like uh expose her to jujitsu because i feel like that um right now would be like way more beneficial because like you don't want your daughter like you know that young going out and sparring taking you know trauma to the head at like such a young age because he knows how that, that'll affect her I was oh, like, dude, sure, yeah yeah I, I was like trying to get him to take her to jujitsu and and i cause i feel like right now that would be like way more beneficial and like you could like imagine um starting that like super young and how much like you know just like m- like much more skill you would have like growing with it through the years yeah, I think about that frequently. Like I said, I did it for like almost a year when I was like 12 or so. Uh-huh. And if I would have kept with that now, you know, I would have been a black belt years ago and no telling where, you know, I might be running a school somewhere for all I know if I would have stuck with it. So I definitely, uh, if you can teach a kid at a young age and get them to stick with it if they want to, then yeah, it'll be super beneficial for their life. Yeah. that I, I think it's so important because, uh, that jujitsu is just so awesome. So I always just try to push whenever like my friends talk about getting the kids into martial arts. I'm like, yo, you should take them to jujitsu before anything else. No, no, I agree. And like I said, I hate punishing people about it. Uh, like uh, the only person I'll punish is my friend uh, Bob because he hates it so much and thinks it's like one of the dumbest things ever. So when he's listening to this and hears us talking about it, he's going to text me and he's going to be so pissed off, but that's fine. It's all good. Uh, maybe uh, has he ever been to the gym with you? Has he ever trained or he no? Just... Uh, no. So he all like all of our close friends do it. Um, trying to think, uh, three members of Payback do it. Uh, Joe, uh, who runs This Is Hardcore, does it, and that's like one of his best friends. Uh, so like his close friends group runs it, and basically, I think he's just like. Oh, I'm, if all my friends are doing it, fuck that. I don't need it, which I bet because it's just so funny. But we always tell him that this dude uh, named Kev Hare is going to beat him up because he does jujitsu and he wants to kill himself every time we say that. So I feel like one day maybe he'll try it when this dude actually beats him up. But who knows? Okay, He'll get that taste of reality. <laughs> yes, bro. He just like I said, he just doesn't. I think it's mostly just a joke. Like, I think at the end of the day, he thinks it's cool we do it, but he loves just saying it's stupid and pointless, which I back. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's funny. I, I kind of uh, am, am curious to see how he really feels about it, but um, maybe one day. You'd have to know Bob, bro. He, he, he loves talking shit. All right. And, and is he from uh, Pensacola or um, Pennsylvania? No. Uh, yeah. So Bob is from uh, 
Bob, who runs FYA, is from Pennsylvania. But the basically the way I met all the payback people um, was from him because he lived in Pensacola for a little bit, and they that's when they started Malice of the Palace. And like I think one of the first tours we I ever did with them, we went to Philly, and that's like where I met Keith and Anthony and uh, Andrew and Jake, who all play in payback, and we've just all been like good friends ever since. Oh yeah, are you, are you talking about Bob Wilson? Yeah, yes, Bob Wilson. Oh, that's a one of here. I, I thought you were talking about some other random Bob. I was like, oh, I was like, there's a lot of Bobs out no, there. No, no, no. Bob is the jujitsu hater. Oh, Bob Wilson. Okay, that's that. That's really yeah. funny. All right. Yes. Interesting. All right. I I, I gotta. Um, he's actually. Um, we have like a podcast that we're gonna do. Um, in spring. Uh, I'm actually gonna ask him about that now. That's funny. I will cash up you five hundred dollars if you ask him about the kev hair thing just tell him that you heard kev hair is gonna whoop his ass he'll literally love it that's so funny okay maybe i i gotta think about that because i don't want to ruin the vibe of the podcast if he gets really upset and hangs up on the, the no, podcast bro. he literally would love it <laughs> okay all right i'll I'm make a mental note of that i'll actually hit you up before i um, have him on just so i can have a refresh and um, be able to bring up the story uh correctly please bro that'd be amazing okay well um, Carter, I, I really appreciate you taking the time coming on the podcast. I apologize for being late. The uh, audience doesn't know that, but now they do. But I um, apologize again. Sorry about that. But seriously, thank you for doing this. I, I definitely appreciate it. No, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And um, so just before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Uh, yeah. Um, shout out to uh, Please Your Case Records and Street to Hate. Um, I think those are the two of the sickest labels out right now, run by, uh, you know, legit hardcore kids. So definitely check those out. Shout out to uh, everyone from Pensacola and Philadelphia. And if you want to check out uh, the From Within Records shit, the easiest way would just look up From Within Records on Instagram. All right. Well, there you guys have it. Thank you again, Carter. Thank you guys again for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast, Always on Top. <laughs>